Hey, uh, thanks for coming out. We've got a pretty good cast from different perspectives across the music world. So I'm Jim Rawlinson. I'm going to be the moderator today. I'm with Musical Family Tree. Uh, Musical Family Tree is a 501c3 dedicated to uh, spreading Indiana music. Um, we have educational series, we have a curation series, and we have a legacy series that maintains and documents uh, a local music archive with over thousands of songs. So I'm also in a band called Maravich, um, and I've been playing locally for like way too long. <laughs> uh, I'll let you guys go introduce yourselves. I'm Nicole, uh, Nicole O'Neill. Uh, what is all my stuff? Now that I'm up here, I can't think about it. I'm a musician. I play in a band called Wife Patrol here in Indianapolis. I'm also on the board of Girls Rock Indianapolis, and I'm one of the co-founders of Woo Girl Fest, which just happened a couple of weeks ago. Uh, my name is Andy D. I'm in a band called Andy D. <laughs> it's fine. Um, I'm on the board of uh, MFT as well, uh, Educational Programming Committee Chair. Um, and I volunteered at Woo Girl. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, anything else? I, uh, I think that's it. Hi, guys. How you doing? Jay Brookins here. Uh, I work with Trees. I'm the A&R for Trees, and I'm also a promoter. Been promoting shows uh, around town here for longer than I can remember. Uh, first show I did was at Northside News in Broad Ripple, which is now defunct. It was like a show with like 50 people. It was a beat battle, and uh, I got the taste for it, and now I'm just doing as much as I can, you know? So we're going to talk about live music today. We're just coming up here. And uh, Jay thought we were talking about one thing, and Andy thought we were talking about another thing. So we're going to be, I think, all over the place, which yeah. is good. Just how I like it, man. Yeah, yeah. So let's do a little bit of, like, talk about live local sound, like when you're going to a show. Like, let's say you're doing, let's say you got a show this weekend, and you walk up, you're about to play, and you see, like, let's start with warning signs. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun to talk about. You walk up and you say, oh man, this is gonna be bad. What, what are, some, what are some, some, some pitfalls for people to avoid to learn from our, our vast experience? No, no sound check is the first yeah. red flag. That say, I'm, it's I'm gonna good, be bad. I'm good. <laughs> That's a pretty good one, honestly. <laughs> Otherwise I would say, and that's something that I've been learning more of still lately, is when you do sound check, make sure that it's actually the stuff coming out of the monitor, not the stuff coming out of the speakers, and, and that it's what you want, because sometimes I find that sound engineers will kind of be like, well, that's good enough. And if it's not good enough for you, say something, and make sure you're hearing everything you need to hear to make sure that your performance is awesome, because that can be really nerve-wracking when you think it's good, but then you still can't hear what you need. Just like, don't be afraid to stand up and say like, hey, I could actually use more guitar in this monitor or more of the extra vocal in this monitor um, because you need to sound your best and you need to feel comfortable and confident. So just uh, speak up and say it. Don't be afraid to do that. I'd say most, most like normie venues or like standard venues are pretty, pretty good. The, obviously the sound check is important. The only, the only time while on tour that we were like, nope, not gonna play here. It was a non-standard show. It was a house show situation, but it was like way outside of Philadelphia and it was like a barn 
and they didn't have a sound system there yet, and the only guy there, he looked like he had just stopped cooking meth, like just stopped, and like, like just looked at door. us weirdly, and I was like, this is a caricature of like weirdness that I can't, we can't do this. So I would say warning signs, if you, first and foremost, if you don't feel safe, um, you know, not just to your own person, but like, uh, you know, as we talked to the person who was throwing the show, which I don't even think happened because we were like, nope. I started talking about like underage kids being there. Uh, drugs were obviously going to be there. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to be like contributing to the delinquency of a minor tonight. So bye. <laughs> so I would say, yeah, I mean, red flags abound um, for the quality of a show. But I think first and foremost, you got to stay safe, especially if you're on tour and away from home. So, so I would say, though, Sometimes you got to push through, man. <laughs> we played a show in Wisconsin, in Appleton, Wisconsin. I remember we, we played like Chicago, and then we went to Appleton. And uh, we pulled up, and the first thing, the kid, this, this dude comes up to us. It's like a punk house. And he's like, hey, I don't know if you guys have heard, but like, you know, it's not what we're like, dude, we're from Indianapolis, so we don't even know what you're talking about. He's like, well, you know, some people got scabies when they stayed here. And, uh, and we're like... Uh, okay, you're welcome to stay. And we were like, yeah, I think, we'll be, I think we're going to sleep in, I think we're just going to head back after the show. But, so, you know, we covered our bases. But the show was killer. <laughs> like, it was a great show. There was like 50 kids in a basement. It was amazing. This was after we had actually played good house shows. So, like, I'm not, we're not averse to house shows. Like, we, yeah. we've lived that life. But just, like, going into it, like, I don't want to see what, the, you know, it was just a situation where it was like, I don't want to see what this turns into. Did you get scabies? No, because we didn't sleep. We, you know, we just performed and then left. So how about, so we've got a rock musician, a hip-hop musician, and a, and a, a promoter, and, and guy who hosts shows. So we've got different points of view up here. Jay, what are you looking for? Like, when you're, you're out there looking for bands to book, are you listening to demo tapes? Are you going to see them at shows? Like... Well, uh, no demo tapes anymore. <laughs> I thought tapes were cool again. Uh, they're trying, but no, I won't listen to a tape. Uh, you know what? I, if someone passed me a tape now, I might just listen to it because it's so <laughs> out there. For the nostalgia. And it's better than people, you know, like hitting up my, my personal Facebook page, you know, about certain things. But uh, I like to do a lot of just sneaking around, looking and stalking people's Instagram pages, their Twitter, their Facebook, going to their shows, asking people that went to their shows, just trying to get any kind of information I can on how they were doing, you know, how they performed and see like if there's like a response to it you know what i mean like because a lot of people nowadays it's not hard to put out music but to get people to be excited about your music and want to see you live is something that i can see from the outside like i don't I, it's not hard to find people that have excitement around their music or out here doing shows and people that are actually enjoying the shows so i look for those people you guys got to answer your emails I don't know, uh, uh, this may be off on a tangent, but emails is the, is the hardest thing that I have to deal with because rap artists do not answer emails and they don't have people to answer their emails. So I'll have opportunities for them and I'll email them and they just don't get back to me. But I mean, I could talk for another hour about that, so don't get me started on that. But uh, just know that there are people actively searching for you as an artist i don't care if it's hip-hop rock or whatever you know what i mean like there are people out there that want to have good bands and good artists perform 
you know, at these shows and they're looking for people. So fi- finding the best way to put yourself out there and make sure that everything has been captured somehow or making sure people t- are talking about you is very important because you never know who will talk to me and you never know if I'll hear what they got to say about you and then contact you next. Is there anything that like you're out there looking for or you know what I mean? Like there's something that you see and you're like, wow, that's rad. I got to have that. Or like, is it mostly just how, how amped the crowd is or it's just a engagement, you know, like just engagement. It's cause it's, that's the hardest thing to do nowadays. It seems like when you're an artist, like when I was an artist, I, I used to do rap and I, I made a couple mixtapes around town. Like this is many years ago, but like we got people excited about it and people were talking about it to where even Nouveau would cover us. And that was a huge deal back in the day because uh, Nouveau was only covering the Mud Kids who I love and respect and they still doing things to this day. But you know, like getting real engagement out there and getting out there and shaking people's hands, you know what I mean? Like kissing babies and- So it's both- Being a real person besides on the internet. You know, the internet's cool, but- Yeah, whether they can turn people out. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. then whether the people that they didn't turn out <laughs> get hyped for them or not, yeah, yeah. right? That you're, the people who come to see you perform are your currency. You know what I mean? Like, that's why we pay Tech Nines here today, and, you know, God knows how many pay, how much they paid him. They probably paid him more for one night than I make in a year. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, because he has people that will come pay a certain amount of money to come see him perform. That's just on a major level, but... You know, like the people are your currency and like always treat them like you know, not treat them like that. But, you know, like they're, your, you know, like they're very important to you and you, you need to respect that. Yeah. Hey, Andy, how about what's something that you have to have to like there's I know for me, you know, like the, I have a, a setup that I like. Right. Like like what's something for, for live sound for when you're doing stuff live? Like, what are you looking for? I mean, you're pretty much it's just you and your wife, right? Yeah, it's just my wife and I. And she started playing some drums, like some percussion stuff on stage. That's not too obtrusive, but we're also pretty minimal technically. You know, it's us and an iPod. Uh, typically, it's kind of part of the, the whole thing. But, you know. Other than that weird time in suburban Philadelphia, there have been other things that we just learned on the road too, where it's like, I have to have that iPod off to the side or behind me. It cannot be, yeah. there, there's a, an angle 180 degrees behind me that it has to be, because I straight up kicked that iPod into the <laughs> audience in Chicago at a sold out show opening for Electric Six. And I was like, did anyone find my band? I just kicked it <laughs> in your face. And it it just happened. It like, but it, yeah. it was funny. But I was like, that could have gone really bad if people didn't stop moving their feet, and they could have crushed my band, and that would <laughs> <laughs> that would have been the end of the tour. Like, oh wow, I'm graduated college, and I just did that. So you know, there's d- dummy checks abound on the road, but that was a big one. So I mean, you don't think if you're just an iPod band or whatever that that something like that would come up. But oh yeah, it can't be in front of me. So yeah, how about you, Nicole? I would say. From what I've learned, like my band's a three-piece band, and everyone sings in the band, so it's really important that we can all hear each other. And I mean, I can go off forever on how many times I've had to tell a sound guy, like, "Yes, we need three vocals," and they're like, "For who?" Like, "For the three of us," and they're like, "And who?" We're like, "And the drummer," and the drummer, like, "Yes, all three of us." There's three people in the band. We all three need vocal mics. 
because all three of us sing. <laughs> and after that like five to seven minute conversation, they're finally like, oh, okay, we got it. And they set that up. Um, but also we've learned that like, we like to play close together and like we practice kind of close too, but whenever we've been on stage when it's a three piece and we're like very far apart, it's a very different, like it, it's different in terms of what we can all hear of each other in general, regardless of if we have all the mics and monitors in the right place. So um, I would definitely say to other bands, like know what your soundscape is among your band members, whether you're a two piece or a three piece or a seven piece, because you're gonna play different size stages and you need to know how you can sound your best and be your best and hear each other your best because you still need to be able to communicate with your band members, it's super important. So I know like with most of the bands I've been in, we always want the, like I always let the drummer drive the sound where it's like, where do you want the bass at? Where do you want the leads? Where do you want the rhythm? That kind of stuff. And it seems like it's always the bass is on the hi-hat side. I don't know, what do you, have, have you had? I've never thought about that. I know this isn't <laughs> relevant for you guys, but yeah. All right. How about Andy? I know that you have like a a whole stage. I mean, like it's it, you have like a persona, right? Like you have a it's a it's a more of a it's a performance. How do you come up with that stuff? Like, do you do you is that made for video? Is that made for live? Is that made? You know, it is. It's it it really is organic. I mean, I, I have a lot of people, um, especially in hip hop. Um, not that I brand myself like exclusively hip hop, but especially in hip hop, people always um, really emphasize authenticity. And I'm like, I don't. I mean, you're not necessarily going to get something that you th you might think is authentic coming to an Andy D show, but it's like, but I I I I try to pause it with the whole performance that artifice is just as important because art is part of artifice and like what you're producing there like we're all creative people people are just creative they create their identities all every day all the time we perform our identities that's how our identities happen what i do on stage it just happened organically what i do what you see me do on stage is just what happens when i get on stage i'm not really good at doing anything other than that so i kind of always say like look if you come to an andy d show if you're if it if i'm just if we're just playing to the the bartender and the sound guy or sound person sound tech it's going to look the same as if it's a full full room. Um, it, it's just what happens. So there's like a fine line between authentic performance and then like phony, cheap. You know what I mean? Like, and and I think it's yeah. It's sometimes artists don't think through the full aesthetic. You know what I mean? Like they think about one cool thing that they want to do, but they don't. Like I we played with a band one time, <laughs> and there was at a <laughs> on a big stage, and they like there was like three bands or whatever so there was like a band and then before them and after them and they brought a casket out <laughs> <laughs> and they put it on the stage and then the guy like gets in the casket and then shuts it and then like the band starts playing and he like gets back out <laughs> <laughs> and like they put a lot of work into this really terrible stage person. Ca caskets are expensive. Yeah, yeah. And was it a Batesville casket? I don't know. It was. It, I didn't. I didn't examine the casket very closely, but but uh, they'd obviously done this more than once. But they'd never <laughs> thought through, like, you know, yeah, you know, if you're a metal band, it might be cool to jump out of a casket, right? But like, but don't let anyone see you get in that casket. Yeah, and <laughs> then maybe have like that. a bunch of smoke. <laughs> Or like turn the lights off or something like that. Like you gotta think through your whole performance from the viewer, you know, from how people will be perceiving it. 
I don't know. Have you guys seen anything? You guys seen anybody jump out of any caskets? <laughs> I wouldn't say anything to that level, but I do have a respect for bands who do kind of set a scene. Yeah. Like there was a band that we played with and they had brought out like these black little sheets that they put over their amps and everything and they put lights and everything down and it just like created this whole like mood. Before they even took the stage, they had revamped the whole atmosphere, that space. And it just kind of brought everybody into that moment like, oh, okay, something's happening right now. And we all just kind of were with them in that. And it was just really cool because it didn't seem like it was a pretentious thing or anything. It was just like they were setting up a mood. They were setting up this like this scene. And then they got up and performed their songs. And I had a lot of respect for that. And I thought that was really cool. It's like uh, there's really been thought put into the full aesthetic. And it's not just like. Dave's mom bought him some new lights, <laughs> so we're going to use them, <laughs> right? You know, you got to really think through, like, just because you have something cool doesn't mean that it necessarily needs to come out on stage with you right away. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think, and I don't think organicness and, like, intentionality have to be, like, at, at loggerheads, you know what I mean? That sounds like they're being intentional with their aesthetic, and that's great, but maybe that's also, like, organic to them. Like, maybe they're just like, well, I think this is the vibe I want to, you know, I play best in or expresses what I feel musically, visually, you know what I mean? Like, and that's kind of, I think that's where a lot of folks in, in the music community here really come from, too. I think it is a pretty, like, there's artifice, but it's, like, intentional, you know, we're creating art together, and, you know, there's an, it, but it's also organic. I don't think anyone's putting on airs or pretension or anything like that. How about, let's talk about uh, crowd interaction. So, like, I came up in the punk rock community, and it was, like, <laughs> for a while, it was all about, like, you had some political thing that you had to get across, which, you know, you tell, you tell like, a ten-minute story for a three-minute hardcore song, <laughs> and no one, you know? Um, but, like, that was very much a, like, uh, but the point of that was that you're trying to get the the crowd to understand, you know, the, where the emotions come from in the song and that kind of stuff. Like, what do you guys see out of performers, how do they get the best out of the, the crowd? How do they get them hyped? You know, there's, there's some people that are just fun. There's some people that are really thoughtful. I'm interested in hearing what you guys have seen or done. Well, for me, it's a little weird because, uh, I mean, hip-hop was kind of based on, like, call and response. So that's something I think that's been lost over the years is people, like, realizing you're performing in front of real people, and it's not just all about you. So I see a lot of guys that will do their sets and they won't even acknowledge the crowd, not once. And that's kind of weird to me. I'm like, dude, you're in front of people that are here to see you. Yeah. Like, acknowledge them, you know, let them know that they're, they're special. You know what I mean? Like, the, the greats have that, you know what I mean? And they, and they do that and it's like, people just don't see that. They're just, I'm going to go through my verse and I'm not going to look at anybody and I'm going to go back and forth and I'm going to go back and forth and I'm going to say, put your hands in the air say ho or something like that and it's just like no that's just i think they just feel like they have to do certain things and right. touch on certain things but it's not organic it's not it's not effective you know what i mean like you just have to you have to kind of feel it it's so really hard to explain to really like uh when you see someone that really you know they're asking for feedback from the crowd or something like that yeah i've seen it done well and i've seen it done really really bad you know like Everybody stand up and do five jumping jacks. <laughs> and then nobody does it. Like it's summer camp. And then you're like, on to the next thing. And it's just like, dude, you're, 
you got to warm them up first, you know what I mean? If I was just like, everybody put your fist in the air, like, that's easy. You guys can do that. That was bad. That was a bad. So if you want to see a bad one, when I tell everybody to put their fist I in the air, no ask, one does I that. have to ask people to do five jumping jacks. Now. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to get, it's, just, it's not the same. I, I'm putting that in my back pocket for yeah, next yeah. But if you could do something like that, if you're rocking them so hard and they will do five jumper jacks with you, that's a pretty like, move. you're killing it. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you have to, you have to realize you that. Work you, your way up to yeah, the Yeah, you got to be jacks. cognizant of the situation. Like, but it can be done. I've seen people do crazy stuff at shows, sit down Indian style while somebody's doing stuff. Like, MC stands for Master of Ceremonies, and that's what you are. It can be, like, uncomfortable sometimes to come up with things to say. Um depending on your level of comfort with talking to strangers or talking on stage. I don't really get nervous about talking to strangers, so you know, I talk about anything from Hallmark holiday movies to if I met my Fitbit goal that day, which usually happens by the time we get on stage. Um, then but you might my need point to do is, jumping jacks. I don't do jumping jacks. <laughs> um, my point Fitbit is, is like, you can start with the simplest things and like, just get comfortable talking with people. It doesn't really matter so much what you say, so long as it's not offensive or hurting somebody. But like, you just engage with people. And like, I find it really fun, because my bandmates laugh at me all the time when I'm like, so I watched this Hallmark movie this weekend. You won't believe what happened. But like, somebody you know, is just like, what happened? <laughs> you know? And you just kind of talk about it. But it can be anything from you know, talking about what shows are coming up, talking about. Um, you know, I used to manage a band and they had that, they were in that phase where they would get done with the song and then they just like put down their instruments and kind of tune or they, they turn their backs to the audience. And I kept saying like, you guys, you're always turning your backs to the audience. Like you need, I don't, I don't ever want to see your butts in front of the audience again. You got to find something else to do. You got to say something to the crowd. And they're, what they started doing was kind of making fun of me from the stage. <laughs> And at the time, I was like, you know what? I don't care. As long as you have something to say. But that started to get them comfortable with just saying something to fill that space. And so there's lots of ways you can like, engage in that way. And it can become more natural and become really fun to just have a conversation with people and, and just get to know them a little bit or let them get to know you a little bit while you're on stage. I think we're in a very, very like human, human level of, uh, of live show interaction kind of what you guys were just talking about. Um, there was a time in the 90s when, like, it was cool to be cool. Like, it was cool to be aloof. Like, people who were successful in the music business were, like, way up there, and you didn't talk to them unless you got backstage passes, and you only got that if you had, like, some awesome VIP access. Now it's, like, expected that, like, you know, at Old National Center or something, or, you know, the, the basis is going to be out in the crowd, or you're going to be at the merch booth or something, and it's going to be talking to to folks, um, regardless of their level. And I've seen people like Shirley Manson, Manson from Garbage talk about like how jarring that is to like go back on tour now, like 20 years later, and be like, it's not like the 90s at all, guys. I have to be out, I have to like shake hands with people and stuff to like make it work now. And it, expectations are different. I don't know if it's generational, or I don't know if it's, it was, if, you know, because of kind of the democratization of of um, music with the internet or because things are, are maybe that's where the value of, of live shows is now and live interaction is now. Maybe everyone kind of has to be an MC in some way, you know, on, even if they're an introvert and, you know, um, only focus on one instrument on stage or something or if they're, they really have to stretch whatever comfort level they have to talk to people now to get that interaction beyond just the stage show, beyond just, they kind of have to be 
available to people and people kind of want that access to the artists that they come and see. It's kind of more of an expectation now, it feels like. Well, let's talk about the merch booth. So, like, I am very terrible at running a merch booth. <laughs> and I'll, I'll be totally upfront about it. But it's super important if you want to be a, you know, if you want to actually recoup the money that you, or recoup some of the money that you put out into this lifestyle. Especially if you're going to be touring, especially if you're going to be, you know, playing to different audiences, not just the same people over and over again. So, like you were saying, you got to hang out at the merch booth. What, what else? I mean, you, we can talk about what kind of merch you should have or what you should bring, but like, that like, what's up? What, what, before you go on to that, if you are not good at the merch booth, find somebody that is. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that, that, that will like eliminate that problem and you'll be so much better and you won't have to worry about that in the back of your head while you're on stage. You know what I'm saying? saying I know guys that went on tour and they brought their buddy that was just really good with people. You know what right. I mean? Like, and he killed it. When they were trying to do it themselves, it was, nobody was buying anything, even though they were the, the artists that was on stage. Yeah. Well, and you gotta have someone there. That's my problem is I don't think forward that like before the set you're outside setting up your instruments and tuning and all that stuff and then after the set you're like unloading your stuff and then you've just missed like the best opportunity to sell your merch like right after you played or right before you you know what I mean like somebody just saw you and they're like oh, I want to buy the record but like if you if you don't have it set up in a clear space and you don't like say hey check it out right back here go see my man Dave like you know, they're going to be like, oh, okay, well, there's another band playing now, and they're cool, too. Uh, so, you know what I mean? And then you just kind of, like, lose that. But what else other experiences have you guys had with merch? What works? What doesn't work? I would tag on to what you said about finding someone who's good at it. Like, even if you don't have another person, like, if it's someone within your band who is the approachable person, um, and... That usually ends up being me in the band. Like, we'll get done. And I also have the less stuff to, to tear down. I play bass, so I just kind of stick it in there, stick my pedal board away, and then, like, interact with people. Um, and take, because it, it takes me a little bit less time, and that gives others chance to get their stuff cleared up and takes that time to interact with people, like, as soon as you get done. Because there's always someone who, like, wants to come right up after the set and, like, say hello or good luck or something. What um, kind of bass is that? Yeah, I get that. Or oh, mine, mine, one they asked me is, is that bass orange? And I'm like, yes, yes, it is. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, find that person who's not necessarily, um, who, who, who's available to do that is what I mean. I don't want to say, like, whether I'm approachable or not, but, but who's available to do that as soon as you can so that there's not that worry and you kind of know that, okay, this is going to be taken care of and you can either take shifts after, um, you know, like if, okay, now this person needs to like, okay, now I actually do need to go clear my stuff up now. Can someone go and take that? So, um, so, so yeah. there's this band called Local H from the 90s. They had like a hit and, and they had a few hits, but their thing is, this is so cool. And like, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta work your way up to it. Uh, but so they're a two piece. And the, so there's the one guy that's the singer and the guitar player that everybody, you know, if you're there for them, you know who he is. And then there's been a couple different drummers. But at the end of every show, he like crowd surfs from the stage back to the merch table. <laughs> and then everybody just gets in line and buys a bunch of stuff from him. So like, I'm not saying try it right now, you know, but like, that was really cool. <laughs> that is problem solving. I don't know if that like happened one time, you know, and he was like, oh shit, you know, we gotta do this more often. Probably. 
It was yeah. probably, yeah, I, I could see that happening just naturally. My wife and I toured full-time for three years, and 45% of our revenue was merch. If you're not doing merch right, and I'm not even saying we were doing it the best we could. If you're not doing merch right, you're leaving a lot of money on the table. If you're not, in, if you're not trying to do that, you know, trying to be uh, a musician professionally at that level, that's fine. You don't have to do it. Not everyone is, is good. But I have also seen people who, like, were at their record, like friends of ours, at their record release show, giving away vinyl to their friends. And that's not cheap because they were not comfortable with taking money. <laughs> It's like, no, you have to let people who came to see you support you. You have to let them do that. And I've seen, you know, yeah, just like what Nicole said, if, you know, if, if the basis happens to be the good one uh, with the merch, then the guitarist should figure out how to break down her, her bass stuff, you know what I mean? So that she can be, beeline it to the, to, the, to the merch booth. The Ghost Gun Summer, they really organically, when we were on tour, really figured out real fast that Buns was great. At the merch booth, and a couple of the other dudes were not that into it, so they were just like, we'll hang out at the merch booth, but not interact with people, but Buns was up there, like, selling the merch, and he had, like, already procured, like, all this merch sponsorship, too, so it was, like, really, it just happened, you know, so yeah, you have to plan, there's planning, but I think you have to, ha you have to kind of, like, see who has those so soft skills in the van. Because and don't forget the merch. That's don't right. forget it. That happens and, sometimes, but just and, try not to forget it. And know, know the durability of your merch. If you choose to do vinyl, don't tour Florida in summer. <laughs> That's a way to really ruin your merch. And, or make sure you take it into your air conditioned, wear an air conditioned situation every night or something. Know your crowd. You know, like, I'm not going to sell very many small t shirts. <laughs> right. So don't forget your, don't forget your snare drum. Like, Good Lord, like that drives me crazy. Like, I know that sometimes you might go to, like you might play a show and you forgot, your drummer forgot their everything and like you ask someone if you can use their drums and they say, okay, that's fine. That's not fine, like they're pissed at you, but they're being nice <laughs> about it. Like just a heads up, cause you know, that like that, <laughs> that's one that like, hey, we forgot our, we forgot our, our symbols, can we use yours? And you're like, man. Like, I want to have a good show, so yes, but no. Like, really, I would rather you not. Make a and checklist. If, and yeah. if you need to, like, borrow anything from somebody else, like, ask ahead of time, not an hour before the show starts. Yeah. <laughs> Sending, like, a message, like, can I use your set? And you're like, oh. Right, yeah, 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 because you're already, like, well, we're already here. Um, uh, how about, like, stuff like um, Jay as a promoter, what about like punctuality or like <laughs> set times? Like, let's talk about that a little bit. I don't know this word that you say, <laughs> you're saying. I don't understand what that is. Uh, I probably came here 15 minutes late, and I get mad at people for not being on time. Um, <clears throat> if you are on time, you hold a special place in my heart. If you're early, I'll invite you over for dinner. 90% of the time, everybody's late. I can't get in contact with anybody. So you can set yourself above the rest by just being on time. You know what I mean? Like, people will love you. A promoter will love you. Uh, man, I'd kiss you on the cheek if you come on, on time. But, uh, yeah, hip-hop artists are notorious for being late. <laughs> so. well, or what about, like, set times, too? Like, how, like, talk about a little bit about how, each of you, I guess, how that affects like when, the, when the opening band plays 
for like an hour. And you're like, come on, really? It's every man for himself out there, right? I mean, I, this this goes across the board, right? Like <coughs> everyone's trying to get more time. Everyone's trying to go on later when the crowd's going to be there. Like everyone's trying to do these 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 things, you know what I mean? Like I always try to tell people, bro, you don't want to be on stage for an hour. You want to be on stage for 15, 20 minutes and then get your butt out of there, especially if people have never seen you before. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so. I mean, Bring all the bangers and just. Yeah, and just and dip. Leave them wanting more. Like, you don't want to overstay your welcome. <laughs> and wife Very patrol. important. We like to say that we put the punk in punctual. <laughs> nice, that's good. We, hey. We like to be on time. We usually are stressed if they haven't told us what the time is. And we're like, what time do we need to be there? What is the time that our set is? And we'll cater our set list to the amount of time we're supposed to play. And if someone goes a little bit long before us, then we'll cut some songs so that we're not all there all night. Because like, we like to sleep at night. I, I like to sleep at night. <laughs> and so you know, we don't want to be out until 2 o'clock in the morning if we don't have to be. And like, none of us have to be. <laughs> so let's just get this done. Let's play our set. Let's like. I, I love that, like, leave them wanting more. Like, don't, don't be that band where everyone's like, where they're like, do you guys want to hear one more? When nobody in the audience has asked for one more song, and you just go for it anyway, and everyone's just like, oh, God. Yeah, if, you're not, if you're not the headliner, and you're not, like, on tour, and you have, like, at least 200 people there to see you, nobody wants nobody to see Nobody wants to hear song. one more song. They don't want it. And they probably didn't ask for it. And you probably didn't hear them mumble no when you asked. So like, just get in there, do what you're supposed to do. And if they want to hear more, they will definitely let you know. <laughs> they will say, we want one more. They'll clap. They'll do everything to give you all the signals that they want to hear more. But if they don't, just make your set list for what you need. Play the songs you want to play. And cater it towards your audience, too. Like, we recently played at the Arts Garden. It's a big, huge glass space. So we're like, we're probably not going to bring the super heavy ragers in this like room that you know, vibrates all over the place. Like, cater your set list to the places that you're going to be playing. If it's going to be someplace where you're going to be more of background noise, you probably don't need to bring out the songs that are, you know, not appropriate for that. If you're playing just at your general rock show, think about who you're playing with at that show. So, like, we love to just kind of mix it around because it also makes it different for us, too, where we can, like, change the set list around or add some intervals between songs and things like that. But yeah, we like to, you know, get there on time, play the amount of time we're supposed to play, get in, get out. Not that we don't like being there, but like, just, just do it. Don't make it, don't make it any harder than it has to be. And just don't be that band that everyone's like, oh God, I don't want to hear one more song. Yeah, you just have to be like a good music citizen, you know, like it, it's, I've never seen like a more like obvious deployment of uh, the golden rule than just being on tour like if you're traveling for a show like and you're traveling with my wife particularly who really wants I mean punctuality is super important to her um, it's just it's just a sign of respect it's just respectful to be on time or to be in good, good communication if you're not going to be on time so th I mean and that's what kind of you know it, similarly I mean there's just kind of unwritten rules for shows if you if you're there for a show, you stay for all the bands. If you're playing, you know, you support, you, it's also a good time to network. It's just, it's, you're shooting yourself in the foot if you do that. We've been in show situations where it's like, we're up front with them, we've never played this town before. But then come the day of, the local bands are like, oh, what, you know, my drummer has to work in the morning, can we play first? 
oh, and then our keyboardist has a DJ gig down the way. Can we play after them? So I'm like, okay, so you want us to play last in a town we've never played in? No one's going to stay for us. Like, it's not going to be a good show. And it's not being a, they weren't being responsible or courteous, you know, music citizens in that case you know i think the etiquette there is like you want a good show for everyone someone's coming to your town you want to show them you want to put your best foot forward for your town for yourself for the venue and put them in the middle so that you give them the good spot so people think kindly of of your town thereafter you know and things like that there's certain things for when you're playing with touring artists and and again maybe this is a punk rock thing but i feel like it's why it's broader than that but like when the t- it's not a huge show, you know, there's 50 people or something, and like there's a touring band and two local bands, like you, unless there's a, a significant amount of money, like you give a you give more of your cut to the touring band, like that's they that's drove just farther, yeah that's just for us we pretty much always just especially if it, if it's not a huge night you know you're like just give them our cut we're cool you know what I mean or just we'll take gas money that, yeah yeah um, or like yeah staying for the other bands talk to the touring band you know like tell them the lay of the land or like i know that we've had experience where like we'll play at a venue on a wednesday night you know and it's like one local band and one touring band and it's a drag of a show but like you hang out with the other band and you know or they'll you know they'll be like a first band and they'll come they'll play and they'll leave and then you you watch the other band and they watch you and then and then like i know there's a band in champagne that we played with and like we hung out with them and they're like, you guys are rad. And we're like, you guys are rad. You know, maybe don't play here on a Wednesday. Come back next time and I'm going to get you a show at, you know, at this other venue on a Friday with like my friend's band and they'll, they'll fit you better, man. And then they'd be like, yeah, cool. Well, you know, if you want to hit Champagne, here's my email. Let's get something set up. And we ended up going to Champagne. We played there. We had a really good show. Like you never know what you can learn from the bands that are on the road and they're looking to talk to you and get through the night too, especially if it's not, you know, not an amazing killer night, right? What, have you had any experiences like that on the road? Anybody or? Uh, there's just, I, I like what you said because there's so much camaraderie in that in like the whole like, you shouldn't stay for all the bands just because it's nice. It's like it's the right thing to do because one, they, they stayed to watch you, you should stay to watch them, but there's so much you can learn from each other. Even if you've never heard their music or don't really know it, you usually end up learning like, something that you like about that band or learning something cool that they do that you're like, oh, I could do that on stage. Like, there's so much to, like, it's just like studying, you know? Like, there's so much to learn from others in those experiences. And I think one thing I know, I've, I've definitely learned in terms of just building that even when you're not necessarily playing together is if someone asks us to play a show and we just can't play that show, like, we just, we don't have the time, we're not available, but, like, we try our best to recommend other local bands that they should contact because they're going to be coming through your town anyway, and, like, you know a lot of the bands in the area more than they do, and it might be a great opportunity for somebody else to be able to play. So, like, make those connections that it might not necessarily be the right show for you, but it could be a great show for somebody else, and always follow up with, like, you know, the next time you're in town, though, please hit us up again because maybe it can work out down the line. Like, building those connections is so important. Um, It's important when you're at the show, and it's even important before the show. You can be building those connections and that camaraderie, and and I think that's super important and really, it's been a really great way to meet other people. The other night when I was down here for Woo Girl Fest, they were having another show at Square Cat the night, that night later. And I walked past this woman and I was like, I feel like I've seen you somewhere. And she was from a band that had asked us to play 
but we weren't available and they still ended up playing later with another band and we had never met before but we both were like I I recognize you and it's like oh it's you and like she was from like Nashville and it was just crazy that we ended up in the same place that night but we had made that connection via email before and it ended with like you know I can't play this but like here's some bands and I hope you have a great time when you're here and then we ran into each other when they were here. We so I had an experience where so I was in a band like 15 years ago that did a bunch that played a bunch and then so then I've been in another band for a while and we were playing a show with and the and the guy there was in a band from Milwaukee or some yeah and uh the guy looks so familiar. And I was like, man, I feel like I've seen. I'm like, have we played with these guys before? And they're like, no. And uh, talked to the guy afterwards. And he was in a band that my old band had played with called the, the Red Hot Valentines. And he just like happened to mention, he's like, well, we used to be in a band. Da, da. And I was like, wow, we played with you guys at Rhinos like 15 years. And we remembered that like, and so like, just a word of caution that, like, if I'd been a dick to him that night, you know, he would have been like, well, fuck that been guy. Very different. Right? Yeah. How about that you literally guys? just happened an hour before this show. I ran into another group of people oh, that wow. I knew from playing in Bloomington, like, seven years ago, and we were all like, oh, it's you. I think they, they were from Wisconsin. And we just were like, oh, it's you. You're here. And it was that, that moment. But those things are built over time. It doesn't matter that it's been years since we've seen each other. We'd had such a great experience then that it was just nice to see them again and see that they were playing here. So. You guys got anything else on that? No, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't tour. Don't anything. screw anyone over. <laughs> well, I think you're right about you know just the 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 hip hop live show too. Um, that absolutely you know leave them wanting more. That's that's a really good business model. I think it, in general, as like stay for them, but also like li- leave the audience wanting more for sure. Like I would echo that. Let's talk about how we put shows together and when you book shows. Nicole, you did something actually with my band that I thought was really cool. And that sort of took me back at first. And then I was like, no, that's really rad. When we booked you guys last time we played, you're like, are there any other, can you, can you make an effort to put any other women, band, bands with women on the, on the bill? And I was like, wow, holy shit. Like, I hadn't even thought about, like, I was just asking my friends, right, or like bands that I liked, and like I hadn't even put thought into the makeup of the bill or that kind of. So tell me, like, yeah, that was really cool, and I just I wanted to yeah hear um, what you thought about that and hear what you guys thought about putting bills together too. I uh, that's something that's really important to to us as a band um, because we've had so many shows where we're the only band with women, um, and that reflects so much of what happens on stage, what happens off stage, the people who come to the show, the opportunities people have to see other bands. And so it, it just became a normal part of what we do is if we are playing a show and there's an opportunity for another band, we want to make sure that it's a band that is diverse and has you know women, has people of color, you know, as much as we can, um, because that's really kind of the only way we're going to keep getting that door open for more underrepresented musicians. Um, like you said, you had never really even thought about it. I don't know if you've ever had to think about it, you know? Uh, yeah. And I think about it all the time. I think about it every day. And so I think it's kind of part of how we try to not only be inclusive, but teach others how to be inclusive and just, and just be thinking about that more often, that 
there are so many musicians in this town and so often we see shows with the exact same bills and the exact same people or bands where it's like this person's in three of the bands that are playing that night and it's like well that's great but that could have been an opportunity for somebody else in this community who needs to be heard and needs to be played it's super important to us and you know i'm glad that you were open to it we found that most of the time when we do request it people are pretty open about like with I don't think we've ever had anyone be like, no, that's ridiculous, you know, but it does kind of catch them off guard sometimes where they're like, I hadn't really thought about it, but that's, let's try that, let's do it. And I just think it's another great way to, you know, if, if you have a chance to be somewhere, like open that door for somebody else. Don't just be like, well, I'm gonna take everything that I have because, you know, it doesn't mean that you're not gonna get an opportunity to play another time down the line. Like I said, even if shows aren't right for us or we don't have them, we still try to pass them to other people because it's just important to us to keep that door open so that other people have opportunities to be seen and heard. How about when you're trying to put a show together? Do you, what, how do you, what's your thought process? Is it, and it's fine if it is, but your thought, is it like, I just want to sell tickets or I just want to have a good night or like, you know what I mean? Like how, how do you? Well, I mean, you want to do, you want to do all that. You know what I mean? Like, uh, the inclusion thing is is getting really really big now, and I remember uh, God bless this guy T.J. Reynolds. I can't remember what year it was. Called me out because I didn't have enough women on the projects I was making, and it made me mad. But it made me also, it also made me think. So after that moment, I was like, it's in my brain now. Like, yo, I need to include everybody in on this. This isn't like some good old boys club. Like yo, you can come too, you can come, I don't care who you are, like, you can be a part of this too, like, and it took him to do that to make me realize, like, how blind I was to not being inclusive to, to female MCs in in our area, you know what I mean, like, and I think that was awesome, and I'd, I'd like, I was mad at him when he did it, but now, like, I am look back, and I'm like, dude, I'm so glad you did that, you know what I mean, because that's a, that's a lesson I learned, you know what I mean, like, don't be so closed in in your in your box. Like you have to include everybody. And to this day, I'm looking for everybody for shows. You know, what I mean, I don't I don't care who you are. It's, you don't have to fit a certain mold to be a hip hop artist or to perform. You know, what I mean. And we have so many great women MCs in this community. You sure? A lot of do. them. They are yes amazing. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Who's your favorite? I just want. I'm just asking. I pick favorites, but I I do love Manon Voice. Yes, I do yes. love Mariah Ivy. Yes, there's just there's so many really, really Allison great Victoria ones. Allison is one Victoria of my faves. Allison Victoria is also amazing. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of them out there. Fossil Foss needs to do another show too, but everyone needs to have everyone who was at that Fossil Foss show at <laughs> on all their shows too. Everybody there was amazing. Yeah, I think there are. You know what? I'm the only thing I'd add is there are a lot of people that are really good about doing this anyway, already just organically because everyone seems to be friends with, you know. I have a pretty diverse friend group, and if you just are inviting your friends anyway, you know, and you're and you're at that point, and you're just like, oh, I just I invited my friends to play with me, and they ended up being really damn diverse. Like, all right, you're just you're living your best life, you're doing it right. It's good to be intentional with that. I think Wife Patrol really kills it with that. Uh, just asking that question, but you know, if you if you even look at like uh, the last serious black release show, it was like it was not not only was it inclusive. Of folks of different, you know, genders and 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 race, but genres like it was just a, it was just bending all, you know, all around. It was just, it was great. And you had kiddo, you know, uh, a black fronted, uh, 
uh, hardcore band, you had White Moms, and you had Sirius Black, and it all made sense. It's not this, like, box, you know, like, genre, you have to play with this person because you make sense with this person. Like, the only sense that was made was energy. And if everyone just, like, sees, like, oh, this music has an energy to it, that's what we're matching. Then genres, you throw genres out of the trash, you know what I mean? Um, and then, yeah, and then if you're intentional about who you're inviting into this, like, energy party, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna create space and you're gonna create time for people that, you know, deserve it. And there are a lot of deserving people in this town, I think. Uh, we got, we're getting close to time, so I only got a few more, but what about, so in thinking about, like, being intentional about your show, and in think and you know how you put shows together, I, I see a lot of bands that have like they'll play too much, or you know what I mean? or they'll play, like they'll they'll do like we just had to turn down a show at Healer and like I haven't played at Healer yet and I really wanted to play there but I'm like we got two shows already that month and like within so it'd be there'd be three shows within two weeks right and it's like that, that's not good for anyone. What kind of have what have you learned about that kind of stuff? I mean, other than don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember when I lived in Bloomington and like, that town's not that big. There's not that many venues. And one of my friends was like, I just don't understand why like, nobody's coming to my shows. Like, we've been playing. And I'm like, well, when are you playing? He's like, well, we did a house show on Tuesday and then we played the Bishop on Wednesday and then we're playing. And I'm like, well, who's gonna pay to see you when they can first see you for free at a house show? <laughs> yeah. And then you're also playing the next night and the next night, I'm like, there's too many they're just, like you're you're just saturating your there's not that many people who are going to shows in this town you know and so like when you think about that really of how many people that you know who usually come to your shows and if you're playing all the time like they got lives to live too even if they're your friends and your buddies they don't want to see you every single night you know and so like you got to spread it out and like again i think that comes to the point of like if even if people are asking you every time to play shows and you know you have a lot going on, give that opportunity to somebody else. Say, you know what, I'm sorry, I can't make that show happen, but here's XYZ bands that I know in town that will be a great fit for this. Like, give some of those opportunities to other people because it's just gonna come back around again anyway. Like, it's a way to share what's happening, it's a way to spread the opportunities in the community. And like, you know, it's, it's kinda like someone once told me, in the conversation about feminism. Like, oh, well, now that women are the breadwinners of the household, men can't be the breadwinners. And I was like, well, that's crazy. Why can't we just all have bread? You could have Wonder Bread, you could have Artisan Bread, you could have so much bread because you are both making the money, you are both doing the things in the household. So to say like, oh, well, if I give up these opportunities, you know, I'm losing. It's like, no, you're just adding more to the pool and like now you all have more opportunities. Like they're not gonna stop, if you're a great band, they're not gonna stop asking you to play shows. And in fact, by playing too many shows, you're actually exactly. hurting yourself. Exactly. And that's all, you're also getting told that you're good. You know, I mean like, like take that as a compliment and then learn to say no about it. I learned the exact same lesson in Bloomington and I come to the third show in the week and I'm playing at Bears and I'm like, no one's coming to this. No one's coming to this. I'm giving her, I'll have to, I had to offer like free t-shirts. I'm like, all right, if you come to all the shows. <laughs> Cause, and, and, and that wasn't like me being greedy, like wanting to play this. It was just people asking, hey, will you open for us? Hey, will you play with us? And I was like, oh, but if I do that, I'm, if I do that for you, I'm screwing over this band that's also coming. And they asked me first. And you have to get to that point where you're like, no, but, but then realize that's a good thing. You, you get to say no. 
and not cut your draw and not hurt the people that are, are asking for the favor. You know what I mean? What's your blackout like date time? Like, what do you want? Two <laughs> weeks either side? No, nah, six I mean, weeks. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm looking at artist shows a lot, so I see people playing shows every week, and I'm just like, bro, slow it down. Like, I know you're thirsty to get on stage. I know you're thirsty to like share your art with everybody, but you have to like let it breathe a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, leave them wanting more. You know what I mean? And that's that's. That's the thing, you know, like if you're performing every week, they're not going to come out every week, you know, and you're burning your friends out. Like use them sparingly, you know, what I mean, give them some time to breathe, perform every once a month. You know what I'm saying? Just just don't do the thing where you're just, yeah, I'll take that show. Yeah, I'll take that show. Yeah, I'll take that show. And I see it all the time. And I try to reiterate it uh, to, to cats like, dude. I know you want to get out there and do live stuff because you're just probably thinking about it all the time. Like I, I want to play live. I want to rock these shows. But just let it breathe, and it, it'll be in your benefit in the long run. I had a guy tell me early on, he was like an old, he was like 10 years, he was like my age now. <laughs> and he told, me, he told me all this, right? He was, like, he was like, hey, dude, your band's rad, but like you don't need to play twice a week, or you don't need to play like every weekend. Like Just a heads up from me, this is my experience. And I was like, fuck that guy. <laughs> Like, he does, he's old. He doesn't know anything. But so Tired. what I'm saying is kids, you know, like one, two, three, four people here who have been doing this for a minute. Like it's it's legit. Like think about who your audience is. Again, as with I think everything we've been talking about, think about the audience. Think about who's going to be watching this. Think about what the show's going to be like, who's going to be able to come, um, who you're performing with. Like it's, it's, it's more than just I have – you know, six songs or whatever, and and I'm ready to go play. Like you know, you got you, there's there's just so much more to think about, and the more you think about it, and the more you learn, you know, the better reception you'll get from the audience. And and you know, I we're coming up on time. I want to give you guys all kind of like a last last statement, or just uh, call out your next show or whatever you want to do. Well, I did want to add on, I know Jay had said, like, you'll burn your audience out if you're playing too much, but you also burn yourself out if you're playing too much. Like, how much time are you dedicating to writing more music and, like, revamping your set if you're playing week after week after week, and you just don't even get that, like, you don't have time to record, you don't have time to make new music, so it's super important to, like, space those things out just for your own sanity and your own creativity to be able to have new things for people to see the next time they see you. You guys got anything else? I just had a baby a year ago, so we've been yeah, we've been on hiatus for a year. I didn't. It's not. It just. It's nature. It just happened. Um, no, it's, I'm just kidding. We planned it. Um, but uh, so we've been on hiatus for two years, and we're starting shows again. So next Thursday we'll be right here actually, uh, with Reptalians and Sirius Black, and then um, the 25th we're going to be playing uh, with Five Year Mission or at Radio Radio, and then the 28th of June. So over a month space between the, those those shows, we're gonna be playing at White Rabbit uh, with bullet points and manners, please. So that's my self promotion there. Uh, I'm working on Trees. This Yay. is not Cheers. This is Trees. It's a hip hop festival that's gonna be here in Fountain Square, August 24th. I've been actually working on it for a very very long time since the beginning of the year. So. Look out for that. Go to trees.com. $20 pre-sale tickets available now, and they will be going up. So 
check that out. And I'm Jay Brookins everywhere. JB, well, just Jay Brookins. You'll find me. I love you guys. Have fun. Remember to always have fun if you're like if you're doing this. Like if it starts to not be fun, like you might want to just change your way and go back to the fun because if you're not having fun doing this, it's not worth it. Uh, for Wife Patrol, we got a a mini tour coming up because that's how we roll, um, which means Friday and Saturday. <laughs> um, but uh, we're playing with this awesome artist out of Detroit called True Blue. And so I think the 24th will be at State Street Pub with There Are Ghosts and Kit Malone. And the 25th will be in Bloomington at the Block House with True Blue as well um, as Evening Standards, which are longtime friends of ours. And then we got some things coming up, I think, in late June. We definitely have some July stuff coming up. Check us out. I'll be taking a long nap after Woo Girl Fest that I'm still taking right now. Uh, so check out musicalflamingtree.com. We've got actually it aired while we were on while we were on stage the second edition of the local music hour on WQRT, curated by Musical Family Tree. So we're gonna have we are using stuff from our archive to build a whole local music hour that's gonna be on the radio. So if you want your stuff on the radio, upload it to the MFT archive and become a part of the community. But yeah, I I I, I does anybody have questions? I didn't really open it up, but. No? Okay. Good. Awesome. Great. Well, have fun at the festival. Make sure you stay for the next couple days. Thanks for coming out. Good job, guys. And gal. Thank you. Like they're